0: Welcome to the JGUA Financial Commentary Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Barron, and in this episode, I talk to Senior Advisor Todd Brost about increasing lifetime earnings. Before we begin, a short disclaimer. The contents of this podcast are strictly for informational purposes only, and nothing said should be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. Any strategies discussed may not be suitable for listeners specifically, and JGUA encourages consulting with your advisor before implementing any strategies to ensure they meet your individual objectives. And with that, welcome to the podcast, Todd. Thanks for having me. Getting into it about increasing lifetime earnings, kind of a simple way would be changing jobs. Although I did want to talk a little bit about the right way and the wrong way of doing that. What can you tell us in your experience, Todd?
1: I think there's first uh, a reason to differentiate between a job and maybe a career. My folks both in the education field Uh, literally stayed in the same profession for 40 years. Both of them were teachers and educators for for 40 years. I think with the younger generations now, that is maybe a thing of the past. I, I find sometimes when talking to my children and some of their friends, it seems like they're almost in a job temporarily until they can find something better. And I would be hesitant about that strategy just because as an employer, I would think that you would look at job hopping, like you mentioned, maybe as a bit of a negative and why haven't you stuck with something a little bit longer? So I think I've been very fortunate. Uh, my first job out of hockey was here at JGA. So I found it very fortunate that I found something that was more than a job, it was a career. And that doesn't always happen.
0: I'd like to just talk a little bit more about job hopping, especially early on in your career. I think that some people might see a new opportunity after a year or so and think, oh, like this is, this is the way to go. But exactly, if you have a history of that, let's say your first 10 years of your career is filled up with changing jobs seven or eight times, I think you're gonna have a hard time advancing especially Um, You might be stuck at kind of entry level or lower level positions than you might be able to achieve if you had stuck it out and rose a little bit.
1: I agree 100%. I think as an employer or as someone looking to hire this person, I think if you saw seven jobs in 10 years, you would say, what was the matter? Why couldn't they stick with a job longer than, than they did? And I think you would be automatically looking for a negative rather than a positive and and I think some of the things that uh, you know that that I've found through my experience in dealing with so many different clients and their kids is that grass isn't always greener on the other side of the fence and if you're with a good company stick it out and and like we had mentioned beforehand, we had talked about, you know, is there a way to adjust your job within the firm you're currently with? Is there a way to increase your skills and maybe go a different route and and maybe climb the ladder, so to speak? So I think there's a lot of options. I would be very hesitant suggesting to younger folks to job hop, like you mentioned. I really think that's a negative and And to me, at least looking at a resume that would be a bit of a red flag
0: on the other side it can be a really good way to advance your career making let's say strategic moves say you're in a large company and you have been there a while and you kind of know maybe there's certain bureaucracy or maybe you you rubbed someone the wrong way over your tenure uh you know that you're kind of flat maybe transferring to a competitor or if you kind of feel comfortable maybe even switching industries where you might have some skills that can transfer over and you can find yourself a different position.
1: I agree with that uh, totally. I think In today's day and age, so many people are asking, what are the skills I should have? What's the industry I should get into? And I find it so many times, I think that just the people skills are so important. I I think regardless of what job you're in, I, I look at my daughter who's a nurse. I look at my son who's going to grad school to get his master's and be a financial planner at the end of the day you're dealing with people you're handling people you're communicating with people you're working as part of a team whatever the case may be those personal skills are so crucial and I think the nitty-gritty of a job, whether it be in financial planning, can be learned. And, and I jumped right out of hockey into this career, and it was overwhelming initially. And Tom Snow, one of our senior senior executives, said, you know, you're going to have to get your CFP. You're going to have to study this. You're going to have to pass this exam. and And that was a little overwhelming because I hadn't been in school for many years. I hadn't taken an, an exam in a long time. But I knew if I wanted to further my career, and I wanted to eventually be an advisor uh, these are some of the hurdles that I'd have to take and, and I stuck with it and, and managed to make out okay.
0: I'm really glad you mentioned the personal side. One of the topics I wanted to get into was kind of reskilling and making sure that you're employable for the future and I think a lot of people when you first hear that you might just go to you know STEM or computer programming or those kinds of things. But I absolutely agree with what you had just said, is actually being able to communicate effectively and relate and empathize. I think those are actually incredibly valuable skills and I think they can always be improved on.
1: No question about it. I sometimes see my my kids now that we're empty nesters, I use that term lightly, but young adults that are in a room with four or five friends and they're all looking at their phone as important as that is and I know that's the that's the younger generation I know that's important but still I think that skill of going out to lunch with someone sitting across the table with someone having a coffee with someone sitting in a boardroom or a conference room and communicating and listening to someone speak and really trying to figure out what they're trying to say and what's their nonverbal cues cues and, and looking at their body language those are skills to me that are invaluable. And I think those are the skills that really translate profession to profession. I think the, you know, the day-to-day stuff that you need to learn can be learned through courses, through books, like the CFP, like the financial planning that we do. That can be learned through time, but the presentation and, and the personal touch is something that I think as, a, as an employer, as someone looking to hire someone, I think that's so crucial.
0: What do you think about pursuing higher education as a way of advancing?
1: I think it's a great idea. Like I mentioned earlier, my son who graduated with a financial planning degree is going to Texas Tech to get his master's. And he came to me and said, Dad, you know, how do I differentiate myself? What can set me apart from the hundred resumes sitting on someone's table? And and that's really as someone looking to enter the workforce or change jobs or reskill themselves and take a different route, that's really important. If there's 100 resumes, how do you get yourself into the top five? How do you get an interview through your resume? And and that's really differentiating yourself. So he's going to go get a double master's in financial planning and accounting. Now, that separates him from the rest of us that have a regular undergrad degree, as well as our CFP. So I think people need to find unique ways. It's getting more and more difficult, but unique ways to educate themselves, maybe get a degree, maybe get some initials behind your name that separate yourself from the other 95 people looking for the same job.
0: That was great advice, Todd. Another common way to increase your income would be a promotion. Kind of initiate that would be for you, the employee, to kind of step up. And uh, I think it's crazy just expect things to come your way. So, you need to step up, show, you know, your boss and management that you are ready to be promoted and uh, you're deserving, uh, you know, a key employee.
1: I agree with that 100%, um, and that really goes back to my experience with the CFP and and listening to Tom Snow when he said, "You need to pass the CFP, or you're going to be stuck in a career that you might w- not want." I look uh, look right at the screen at you. You've taken the bull by the horns and really have become our podcast guru, and that's sort of a neat little niche that, that you've developed on your own. So I think there's there's a lot of ways to do that and a lot of ways to differentiate yourself from other folks in an organization or between organizations. It's just difficult to find what that is and and what makes sense for people, I don't think. You know, Being the podcast guru is for everyone. Someone who doesn't want to be on the screen or listen to themselves talk or handle interviews is going to be a good fit, but you've done an outstanding job of this and I think it's really cool and it was a void that we needed filled within our organization. So I think those are the kind of things that, that really help one's career. You're doing something that you enjoy and obviously enjoy doing and like doing and do a great job at it and it differentiates you from some of us older senior advisors.
0: (laughs) Those are really kind words, Todd. I I appreciate you saying all that. The next topic I want to touch on, I think is really big and has been growing, especially since the pandemic started, some side businesses. And that could really just be anything from picking up a few extra hours from a local store or an Airbnb. Do you have any experience with clients taking on any extra work or anything?
1: Yeah, I sure do. And I think the the popular one is is definitely, you know, the Airbnb and the VRBOs. And I took that uh, leap of faith uh, a few months ago in, in buying a spot on the lake uh, when we bought it. The prior owner had already filled some rental contracts for eight or ten weeks this summer that we kept and and honored and it was a fantastic deal. We got to meet a lot of people that had been longtime renters. It helped to obviously pay the tax bill and pay the mortgage bill. And they're interested in coming back year after year. So that's something that we sort of stumbled into. We got very lucky. My youngest son uh, this past summer was Uh, graduated from from high school he's just extremely handy Uh, he's great with tools I don't know where he gets that from it's sure not his father but he put his name out there on Facebook and said I'm pretty handy I've got a lot of tools I'll work hard and if you need something done around the yard of the house let me know and that just ballooned into a great gig for him where he was almost too busy throughout the summer. He was working eight to 10 hours a day, uh, seven days a week. And that was just for something that he tried and threw on Facebook and said, I'm available and I love doing it. And if you need me, let me know. So those are the kind of things I think that can really turn into something big because you're doing something you enjoy. It doesn't feel like work. It's done in your spare time and it brings in a little income. So I'm all for those side hustles if it's the right fit
0: once again i really like how you said all of that i think exactly embracing hobbies or the things that you know you're good with and taking that to the next level even if it's a little bit of income over a course of a year it could really add up and help pay some bills or spending money or whatever you needed to do
1: no question and i have that discussion really with a lot of my clients that are at retirement age and you know i think one of the keys when dealing with retirement is what are you going to retire to rather than what I'm going to retire from? We have so many folks that are extremely successful that we've helped that go from 110 miles an hour and they just want to stop and I want to get out of this. And that's great for two or three or six or eight months and you can golf and you can travel and you can spend time with kids and grandkids. But I really think, and I've seen it, you get bored. So I think when dealing with retirement, the other side of that coin, we know what you're retiring from, and there's a reason to get out. But what are you going to retire to? And what are you going to do? And if it happens to be something that actually pays, that's a twofer, meaning you're not going to be digging into your retirement resources quite as deeply and quite as quickly. Plus, it gives you something to do and, and keeps you motivated and keeps you going, just not at 110 miles an hour like your old job did. Absolutely.
0: Regardless of where you are in your career or your income level, it's always important to live within your means and to be saving and to be investing and for your future. And that's kind of where we come in as advisors.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's a great point. And I think, unfortunately, the uh, the generations where of even my parents and my grandparents were much better at this than, than we are. I remember my grandparents saying, you know, if you couldn't afford it, you didn't buy it. If you didn't have cash in the bank to pull out and pay for your refrigerator, you could do with the old refrigerator. If you couldn't write a check for a car, you didn't need that car. I think that methodology probably has gone to the wayside, and now we're treading on that. Do I need it or do I want it? And when do I want it? And with our friends at Amazon, and it can be done very, very quickly. So I think you're you're exactly right when you mention how important living within your means and living frugally are. I heard a, an advisor once tell me this in a meeting that I was in that what you save is more important than you what you earn, and I said what does that mean? And they said, well, if you save a dollar, you save a dollar. If you earn a dollar and you're at a 50% tax bracket, you earn 50 cents. So. Really, when looking at the savings versus earnings, it does say that saving a buck is more beneficial than earning a buck because out of that buck that you earn, you're not going to get that full amount. So that was really a kind of a cool thing that I remember from early in my career that really made a lot of sense and said, hey, let's not only focus on making more and increasing income, but let's look at the other side of the ledger and say, hey, maybe I can save a dollar because that's probably more important.
0: Did you have any closing thoughts, Todd?
1: This was really cool. I enjoyed it. And uh, I think it's really one of the best parts of my job in dealing with stuff like this is that every client is different. Every client has different wants and needs. And uh, I really think that's where we can come in and be a pretty valuable resource. We've dealt with a lot of these and we've dealt with a lot of them at different generations. So I think that's that's part of the reason I enjoy my job so much is every day is different. And these are really the things we deal with on a day-to-day basis. So thanks for inviting me. Always a pleasure to have you,
0: Todd. Thank you for giving such an eloquent summary about some of those questions.
1: <laughs> thanks for having me, Andrew.
0: And if anyone in our audience is unsure about how some of these choices impact them or their situation, please email your questions to info at JGUA.com or reach out to us through social media or our website. And thank you to all of our listeners. Until next time, everyone, stay smart.